Welcome to the Accelerative Thrust Podcast. I am Dan. And I'm Eric. Hi, Eric. <laughs> that almost sounded like professional, right? Yeah, almost a little bit. We're And I'm Eric. <laughs> we're we're getting there. Uh, I don't know why I'm trying to mimic an audience. <laughs> Hi, Eric. You know, like that sort of thing. But uh, I guess that's what's happening. Um, so, yeah, uh, this week, man, we're, we got a pretty gnarly snowstorm going on right now here in the Iowa yeah. region. Are you guys getting hit pretty hard in Iowa City right now? Yeah, uh, we got sent home from school early today and uh we're fully online tomorrow so yeah it's pretty serious (laughs) does uh do you get the same sense of excitement getting sent home from school as an adult that you did when you were a kid uh i was pretty excited yeah Yeah, it was was like i mean probably not as excited to be honest uh it's but I think that has to do with sort of like the pandemic anyway. Like, I don't know. I like my home and my life and stuff like that. But right. I'm also a little bored with it all. <laughs> you know? So going back home is kind of like, all right, well, that, I'm back home. You know what I mean? <laughs> Here we <laughs> get like reabsorbed. Here we go the, again. Uh, right. So, well, yeah, I think if it were a regular kind of hustle and bustle normal life kind of day i would have been really stoked to have an extra half day to screw around or whatever so sure like i'll take it any day of the week i'll take it uh, yeah no absolutely i like i just it brings anytime i i like look out the window and i see like a day weather wise like this it just brings me back to when i was like in sixth grade and you know, if I heard there was going to be a snowstorm, I would wake mm-hmm. up. But I would set my alarm. That was like the only time I'd get up early, like on purpose. <laughs> that that and yeah. Christ, that and Christmas. And uh, right, I would just uh, I would set my alarm <laughs> just so I could go look at the snow at five in the morning, and then <laughs> I would turn on the TV and right. just wait. You know, like. Oh, is it gonna yeah. is it gonna be canceled? Is it gonna be canceled? And I'd watch all my for, cartoons and everything. Wait for your count for your county to scroll across the crawler. Yeah, and, and it'd be like it'd be like Wapolo County, son of a bitch. Yeah, I was I was just gonna say, did you is it me or did did it seem like Muscatine was always like the last one that got called? I mean, it seemed that way, but you know, it's probably because we were waiting for it. You know. Yeah, that could be. I mean, you're... we didn't care too much if a Wilton scrolled across the screen, you know. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> oh man, uh, crazy snow days. Um, yeah. So yeah, today we got a an action packed podcast, <laughs> uh, just like all the other ones, which you guys should all go back and listen to if you haven't already. Uh, all at once. In fact, at the same time. Yeah. Find like ten yeah. different computers or devices to play like all ten of them at once, and uh, it will unlock oh, I something. We were gonna, I thought we were gonna, yeah, let people discover that it's an Easter egg. Yeah, so yeah. To do them all at once. We actually uh, re-recorded that 
Bad Religion Prague album we always talk about. Yeah, yeah. It, like, we used our voices. It's this, like, new technology. Yeah. It's like nanotechnology. <laughs> and they... <laughs> we're actually like uh, guinea pigs for like this new thing. So, uh, Brog guinea pigs. Brog guinea pigs. Uh, re recording the Bad Religion album. Uh, you know, we're getting, we're not getting paid for it or anything. We're just doing it. <laughs> it's our passion. <laughs> like, you know, we really love doing that kind of thing. Re-recording prog albums, lost prog albums from punk bands. Yeah, and you have to listen to uh, ten podcasts at a time. Dude, you know what we should do? We should review <laughs> that album sometime. Do a what? We should. <laughs> we should. We should review since we re-recorded it with nanotechnology anyway. We should review it. Okay. Like I'm into it. We should do that sometime. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think we're gonna do that. Ever since you brought it, what was oh, that, Eric? I think I lost you. Oh, I said that sounds good. Oh, okay, cool, cool. I think I lost you there for a second. I'm sure that Mother Nature is not being too kind to the internet connection out here. Uh, I probably lost myself. Anyway. <laughs> you got too excited about announcing that bad religion album that we recorded. Um, I did. So moving on, uh, we got some more uh, albums to talk about that we were into last week. And then uh, we got a really special review coming up of uh, yeah. Mr. Corey Peake's latest uh, instrumental sample-based hip-hop beat album. Uh, he's been doing those things for actually quite a while now. Um, he's got several albums. If you go to the peaks.bandcamp.com and you can also go to the SAS Baloney website. That's his record label. He's been putting out tapes. For those of you who don't know who Corey is, um, get to know him. He's a really cool guy. Uh, but, um, he uh, is the guitar player, or not guitar player, excuse me, the bass player for Closet Witch currently, um, as well as just several other musical projects that he always seems to have a hand in. And he's also a sick um, graphic designer and a sick artist. He actually is um, the uh, one who uh, did our new logo, the new logo that features both mine and Eric's faces. Um, that you I like that we're still acting like we're two different people. <laughs> oh, I forgot. We're, we are this man. We're like revealing all kinds of secrets on this one, man. Like, uh, yeah, ladies yeah, and we gentlemen, we totally look different. If you see that picture, like one person has hair yeah. and one has a beard. <laughs> and and I, I think I see a mouth and eyes on both of us. Right. Yeah. Maybe yeah. even a nose. I mean, I think I saw something like that. Um, but, but no, we're the same person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's very conceptual, this podcast. There you go. We got access to nanotechnology that re-records punk prog classics. And we're also the same person. So yeah, we're actually going to change this uh, the name of this podcast to Accelerative Thrust with Derek. <laughs> so that's, the same thing. <laughs> that's yeah. coming Derek. in the future, Derek. <laughs> Everybody's like, well, who's Derek? <laughs> um, oh, boy. All right, so we got some oh, albums. Shit. I hope people think we're as funny as we think we are. Cause... 
Oh, they... If they don't, they're going to hate us. <laughs> and they will pay. Um, but uh, anyway, we got some albums to talk about. Holy yeah. shit. Um, first or me? I don't, I don't remember who went first last time. Uh, it doesn't uh, really, maybe we should both, why don't we, why don't we both, why don't we do an experiment since this is already getting kind of whack? Why don't we both just talk about it at the same time? Like you talk about yours and I talk about mine both at the same time. You want to just well, do that? We'll, yeah. we'll get through the three releases quicker that way. Um, <laughs> uh, I think, I think if I remember right, you went first time. So. Did I? Okay. No, that's fine. Uh, all right, batter up. So, I will start with the least interesting of my choices, and I don't mean that in a bad way. So hear me out. Uh, this album is by a group called Dead. It's D E H D. The record's called Flowers of Devotion. It came out last year. Um, and anyone who has listened to this and has listened to the records that we've talked about you probably are starting to think that all i listen to is insane bullshit that like has no melody and no structure and is always just weird for weird sake and stuff like that but the truth is we both do right <laughs> <laughs> that is true but also so are damn no uh, i think when you listen to this you might think, wow, this is really freaking normal at times. And it is. And that's okay. You know, like, sometimes you have to find something that doesn't seem as weird to really dig in and find the weirdness. You know, it's not as obvious sometimes. And that's not to say that this record's super dense and deep and uh, the production's insane. No, this is pretty straightforward um, music. I would say that it's um, a little bit like the Chromatics, a little bit like uh, Jesus and Mary Chain. Uh, I think that to me it reminds me a lot of um, early college rock, like mm -hmm. stuff that butted up against goth but isn't quite. So like Echo and the Bunnymen and the Church and um, things like that. Maybe even a little New Order at times, uh, a little bit. Um, it's jangly and cold. Um, it's upbeat, though. It, it's atmospheric, but it's upbeat somehow. I, I think it's pretty fun. Um, the guitar tones are really sick. Uh, they, they just really understand how to get that lush, washy, almost shoegaze tone. Um, a lot of tremolo, a lot of reverb. Um, Vocally, uh, one of the singers, I think, sounds a lot like Exine Cervanka from X, which I'm not really that big of a fan of that singing style. And I'm going to diverge for just a second and talk about what I call black velvet vocals. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a kind of singing that I associate with the song Black Velvet, if you remember that song by Alana Miles. Oh, yeah. That? The... Yeah. Uh... Black velvet and that little boy's smile. That one? Yeah. Like, so it has this kind of lift at the end of the phrasing, and it's like what people think cool singing sounds like, you know? Like, uh, black velvet, if you please. Like that kind of crap. 
Yeah, by the way, that sounded great, Eric. Like, no, seriously, you sang that one line very well. That was awesome. I've been practicing. Uh, So it does kind of have a little bit of that to it. The only person I ever give an excuse to is Lou Reed. And that's because I don't think he can help it. I think he just kind of has a bad voice. Um, But so with that caveat, the vocals, I... I can't get behind all of them all the time. They really cheese. They're cheesy at times, but I think it's worth it to give it a shot and to listen to it because the songs are cool. Um, and the production's really fun. And sometimes you got to give your brain and your ears a break from all the insane stuff and just hear some music. And I think this is a pretty good example of that. So sure. Yeah. I, I actually did not know that the, the, uh, that it was pronounced dead. Uh, I think that's oh. that's clever. I I just called it D E H D, and I thought it was an acronym for something. Uh, um, but uh, anyway, the design of drug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, <clears throat> yeah, there's not really much more I can add to everything that you just said. Um, I totally agree with it. Uh, I, I I enjoyed it. From beginning to end, I think the songwriting is great. Uh, the guitar tone is sick, like you said. Um, it just, it reminded me a lot of, um, well, like you said, the sort of, um, I guess, atmospheric pop, like alternative mm-hmm. pop, like Echo and the Bunnymen. And yeah, I, can, mm-hmm. I definitely hear, I hear like Cocktoo Twins in it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then definitely. I also, parts of it reminded me too of like, like Beat Happening. You know, because it had uh-huh. that really like indie sort of almost twee pop at times, right. um, yep, sort of thing. Yep. And so, yeah, it was just a really enjoyable beginning to end. Like I could imagine a lot of songs on this album being the soundtrack to some indie movie about teenagers getting high in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it really right. is. It really has that sort of, and I, I, a lot of the guitar tones reminded me of like surf rock too, kind of. Yeah, I can hear that. Like dark. Yeah, I, one of the things I thought was that any of these songs could fit on the Donnie Darko soundtrack. Yeah, pretty well. Exactly. You know, exactly, or even like the Juno soundtrack or something. You sure. know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it totally. Uh, it was a, an enjoyable listen. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that, ha- if if I was ten maybe 15 years younger than I am now and hadn't been exposed to all the different types of music that I've been exposed to now. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I totally would have eaten this up. Like this probably would have been like one of my favorite albums, like in 2004 and it's still really good. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, it, it's fantastic. If you're a fan of like, uh, yeah, Echo and the Bunnymen, Beat Happening. Um, all, you know, I know that those those are two bands that don't necessarily go together all the time. But um, yeah. that's, yeah, it's like, it's like almost like dark gothic twee pop or something. Yeah, like, I would agree with that. In a weird yeah. sort of way. Uh, and there's also yeah. hints of like garage rock. Absolutely. Fantastic stuff. Um, cool. Okay, so I'm going to um, I'm gonna actually go the opposite route and I'm going to talk about the, the, to me, the most interesting of my three picks um, mm-hmm. to start off. And that is um, an album from this group called The Deviants. And the name of the album is Patoof. 
I think. I think that's how you're going to pronounce it. I first heard of this by watching an episode of uh, Amoeba, What's in My Bag? And uh, they were talking about talking to Ty Seagull um, about what he had in his bag while shopping at Amoeba Music in Hollywood. And uh, mm-hmm. he pulled this record out towards the end of the segment and said that this is the find of the day. He had been looking for this record for years. Because at the time, a lot of the albums that he was finding in that segment, I guess, uh, were very rare and expensive and hadn't really been reissued. And then there was this period of time, which I'm going to say it was probably circa 2010-ish, 2009-ish, somewhere around there. A bunch of these records, like this Deviance record, started to get reissued. Um, at least that's what he said in the video. I don't, I don't know how long this record has been reissued or even if it's reissued at all, that might not have been, he might've been talking about something else that he got in his bag. I don't really remember, but nonetheless, um, that's the first time I heard of this record and they always play clips like five second clips. And the first thing that caught my eye about it was, uh, the cover because, you know, 60s garage rock psychedelic covers are always awesome. Um, even if the music's bad, uh, I always I always enjoy the art from that period of time, like pop art, you know, kind of. Um, and uh, so I decided to give it a listen. Um, and this is actually, I'm kind of <laughs> sort of cheating in a way, or maybe kind of, this, this is, uh, well, I guess, no, it wouldn't be cheating because that, that's exactly what this segment is about, actually, I guess. Um, I just heard this record, unlike all the other records that I've talked about on this podcast so far. Uh, I just heard, literally heard this for the first time like two days ago. Um, nice. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know why I would think that that's inappropriate for this at all because that's exactly... I guess like what 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 I did do that's differently is I planned to listen to this and put it on sure. my list as opposed to like this is a record I've been into the other two I've known about for years which I'll get to but anyway um yeah no th- this uh, record to me is just a really fun interesting um, 60s garage rock psychedelic rock record um, parts of it remind me of um, something like the 13th floor elevators, um, mm-hmm. you know, just that kind of stuff. Parts of it remind me a little bit of Zappa, definitely a lot of Captain Beefheart going on in there. Mm-hmm. A lot of sense of humor, um, definitely a lot of the sort of politics of that time kind of thrown in. Um, and there's parts of the, um, of the album that are definitely, um, Specifically, you can tell that it was recorded in the era that it was. I think this record came out in 67 uh, because mm-hmm. there's actually some language that's used um, that uh, you couldn't really, I don't think you could necessarily get by with uh, today. Or maybe you could, depending on the delivery. We kind of touched on that mm. before. Yeah. But um, it was definitely a record made in the 60s, and you can definitely tell. Um but I really, really enjoyed it. Um, my, uh, I really thought the last track was really cool. Very interesting. It was, it's a nine minute track 
that kind of goes between like these sort of I don't know spoken word interludes and then like sort of the experimental music passages I guess you could call it um, has almost like a sort of a beatnik vibe to it sometimes I also really like the song uh, Child of the Sky um, a very cool acoustic number but yeah overall if you're a fan of this kind of just sort of weird 60s psychedelic pop uh that's mm -hmm. what i would uh that you know this would definitely be one of my uh recommendations yeah yeah for sure um i i really liked it i thought it was um i thought it was really cool i'm surprised i haven't heard it before uh because i used to be pretty into psych stuff and um somehow i missed this but like you said i think there's some obviously like they're like contemporaries that's kind of the thing that's interesting about this to me is like i don't necessarily feel like they heard the 13th floor elevators and were like okay let's start a band maybe i'm completely off but it seems kind of fully formed in 1967 right you know what i mean yes and so uh and you can still hear it getting there a little bit like some songs wouldn't be that out of place on a them featuring Van Morrison record or whatever. Sure. Um, but it is really weird. It's, um, it also reminded me of aspects of, uh, the Pink Floyd from that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially, yeah, especially like, um, uh, what's that, uh, first, uh, like saucer full of secrets. And then, um, right. What's the first one? Um, the first Pink Floyd record, I can't think of the uh, name right now. It's it drawing a blank. Um, <laughs> and it's it's one. Yeah, of the, what the heck was that? And that's called? that's like my favorite Pink Floyd record too. Um, <laughs> oh uh, man, Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Yeah, Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Why could I? I don't know why I couldn't remember that. That's yeah, that's kind of what it reminded me of. That record specifically, um, and Saucer Full of Secrets to an extent. Um, but yeah, and also, uh, like you said, a lot like the mothers, um, a lot like the residents in places too. Oh like, yeah, definitely. It does go there. It gets real weird and it's not completely novel. Like I, I might as well just get this out of the way and say it. I'm not a huge mothers of invention fan. Uh, I think it's a little too funny for me. Really? Like clever. Yeah. It's a little too clever. Like, it's always sort of goofy. Wow. And I need a little bit of uh, real darkness in my music. And I don't... I know people will disagree with me hard about this, but I just don't get a sense of, um, like, real like pain or loss or suffering or... And not that you need that all the time, but it, I like music to have an element of that. And I never really get that from Zappi. So, but with Beefheart, I love it. And I think conceptually they're similar. So, you know, I think that's okay. But I don't think that this is like that in that sense. I don't think it's novel. I don't think it's clever or funny necessarily. I think it's weird. And, um, 
but yeah, there's some darkness in here, and I really like it, especially with some of the social commentary that they're making. I think it's really cool, you know? And um, yeah, so... Yeah, I feel like I offended you with my mother's. No, 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 <laughs> not no, not at all. Um, I can totally understand how one could feel that way uh, about the mothers of invention because uh, I mean, it took me a while to really get it, and I'm not a fan of everything that Zappa's done either. Yeah. Um, but uh, to your point about the residents, um, an interesting thing too is that in that same episode, um. Of Ty, uh, with Ty Siegel, the first thing that he pulled out of his bag was a snake finger single. Oh, yeah. So right. that's yeah. so he's clearly um, versed on, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so, yeah, that's really cool. That's I didn't even think to compare them to the residents, especially like uh, stuff like Third Reich and Roll. Right. Uh, sure. I definitely and I think that's the thing about the residents too is it's like it's hard to compare them with anyone Absolutely. because they're so singular in what they do that it feels like no one else does anything like this and they don't do anything like anyone else but in reality especially on like meet the residents uh we're not that far off you know right those fuzzy guitars and and um the movement of things like it's I think that first record especially is still sort of rooted in the, like a primitive rock and roll garage kind of feel at times. Oh, so, sure, sure. You know, yeah. Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I'm glad that you enjoyed this, uh, this yeah, album. Yeah, was awesome. I, uh, I'm going to go back to that often. Yeah, yeah. same here. I'm, I'm probably going to revisit it quite a few times. Um, thank you, Ty Seagull. Because uh, I know you're not listening to this podcast uh, for uh, getting me into the deviance. Um, all right, okay, uh, you're up next. Cool. So uh, my second thing I got into this week is I, it's a guy. He's called Exuma, E X H U M A. The record is called Exuma, the Obeya Man. Uh, it came out in 1970. Um, this, I don't even know how, I, I mean, obviously, I think I saw the cover and I was like, well, I need to listen to that. Like, I have no idea how this fell into my lap. Um, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's uh, this guy, Exuma, he's born in the Bahamas. Um, apparently, he never planned on being a musician. He just sort of fell into it. Um, and all those, uh, I don't know how you say it correctly bahamian bahaman rhythms are there in this music i would say this to me is sort of similar to like thela kuti in sort of how the rhythms work at times mixed with screaming jay hawkins uh especially like there's kind of like a voodoo element to the whole thing um i think it's actually called obeya in in uh, exuma's culture but it's the same as like santeria or voodoo it's sort of like a sort of that same kind of uh thing and so he brings that element into it vocally i think he sounds a lot like toots hibbert from toots and the maytals um that really almost a uh raspy yelly sound um and so the thing about it is though what i just described sounds sort of like 
a really interesting world music record. That's not what's happening here. This feels to me more like uh, Moondog. Like it's like goofy. Not necessarily funny, but goofy and kind of funky. And I think there's elements of the time period of the 1970s soul working its way in there too. So it's pretty well-rounded, but at the same time, there's moments where you're like, what the hell is going on? This is so goofy. And uh, yeah, so, but I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was really cool. Uh, I think this is the only record he put out or maybe he put out two, but not very many. Um, so yeah, kind of like for fans of Fela Kuti, if you ever wanted it mixed with Screaming Jay Hawkins, <laughs> you know? So uh, yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I thought it was a very interesting listen. Now, I'm I'm largely unfamiliar with Phila Kuti. Um, am, am I saying that right? Phila Kuti? Yeah, I think Phila Kuti. <clears throat> I don't know. That's how I heard yeah, that. I'm I'm but, I'm largely yeah. unfamiliar, but I've heard of I've heard the name, and I know that from what I understand, it seems like a lot of people that are into experimental music are into him. <laughs> is it a guy or is it a group? It is a guy, and um, he basically, it's kind of like long form, uh, rhythmic guitar. Um, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It's very drum oriented. Um, Yeah, it's like Afro-Cuban in a way. yeah, he's from Nigeria, and he is considered uh, almost like a religious leader there, apparently. Hmm. Um, I don't know everything about him. Uh, I have friends, like my friend Brad um, from Most Voltage. He is, I think, obsessed with Fela Kuti, and he can tell you all about it. But um, for me, I just listened to it. Zombie's my favorite record by him. Uh, but yeah, it's like long form. It's like nine minute long kind of groovy Afro-Cuban stuff, which I'm usually not into, but he brings something to it that I can't really explain, I guess. But I, I would suggest everyone check him out. It's it's really cool music. And um, uh, I, I think people listen to it in the, with the idea that it's sort of strange, but I, I don't find it strange. I find it just sort of... Um, rhythmic like it's uh just falling into itself a little bit so anyway i think you'd have to listen to it to appreciate what i'm trying to explain <laughs> so um yeah, yeah that everything that you just kind of described there i mean that's kind of how i would describe this record like i definitely mm-hmm. hear like almost like a and maybe this is just kind of my ignorance showing about the whole um you know african cuban uh i guess for the way that I would describe it is almost like tribal music. I guess mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'm trying to get at. I mean, that that's what this sounded like to me with maybe touches of like experimentation going on there. But I think, I mean, this record, it looks like it was put out in 1970. So right. it predates yeah. a lot of stuff and I could hear how it's, it would be a big influence on something like maybe maybe something like Ganja Sufi or something like that, you know, like, like it almost, you, you, 
just sort of the yeah. the free form ofness of it all. Like it was, you know, I it's one of those releases that I think um, I'll probably have to give. I only listened to it once all the way through, and it was uh it was last week, and I enjoyed it yeah. when I was listening to it, but I still probably have to give it more time to completely digest it you know what i mean like it's yeah. it's something that i'm i'm gonna have to listen to uh, a few times i think before maybe i'll get it you know um but i do enjoy it though i i i, I did enjoy it well, I, it was it was, a, it was a lot of fun like it may sound strange for me to say that it was fun to listen to but to me it was pretty fun to listen to and kind of yeah um, i think it's fun get yeah. familiar with it you know um, yeah, very, very good, interesting pick, for sure. Um, cool. I'm actually very interested in checking out uh, Fila Cootie now. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I'm yeah. always going to feel like I'm saying that wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just say Cootie like you have cooties. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, maybe that's the yeah. reason, because that's actually the picture I had in my mind when I was saying it. and Maybe that's the reason why I feel like I'm saying it wrong, you know? Like it's inappropriate oh, I'm or sure something. I'm saying it wrong. Everyone looking at me, I'm like, "It's cootie, you asshole." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, find out that it, it's something that's just not even like what it looks like at all. Like it's yeah. Fea Kauai, <laughs> you know, or something yeah. like that. I mean, who knows? Probably. Uh, but um, anyway, so that brings me to my second pick. Uh, which one am I gonna talk about? Uh, I think I'll do this one first. This is a record that i've actually been familiar with this record for years now i mean back in the uh probably as early as maybe the late 90s um but i'm gonna say probably i'm gonna say maybe it's more 2001 ish that sort of era Mm -hmm. but um this is a, a record by a group called the Appleseed cast and the name of the record is mare vitalis and uh, this is their second album. I got into them because um, there was a band called Planes Mistaken for Stars that I used to be really into um, in my younger mm-hmm. days. And I still like um, them. But uh, I uh, this was back in the days where, uh, you know, this was pre-internet. So what I did was um, I looked at the uh, record label that Planes Mistaken for Stars was on. And uh, because they played in Muscatine a couple of times. And so I got on the internet and I ordered a bunch of Planes Mistaken for Stars stuff. And uh, the label was Deep Elm Records, which was kind of a Midwestern emo label at the time. Um, Well, I mean, I'm sure they still are. I think they still exist. But anyway, the... um, I ordered... uh, I ordered the two Planes Mistaken for Stars albums that were out at the time. And uh, they sent me a sampler that had every band on it. And the Appleseed cast was one of them. Um, And I really liked the song from the Appleseed cast that was on this compilation. Uh, And then I went, I saw this CD somewhere. I'm going to say it was either Best Buy or uh, Record Collector. And I bought it. Uh, But this was their second CD. The song... Off of their off of that compilation was off the first CD, um, and I listened to this and just I mean instantly I was just I fell in love with it at that time, 
And this is kind of a revisitation because I since got rid of a bunch of my CDs and this was one of them. And prob uh, I probably got rid of thousands of CDs over the years. Um, like literally, I would suspect. But um, this was yeah. one of them that was in a load of CDs that I got rid of. And um, so I just decided to revisit this. I don't know what triggered me to go back and revisit it. I think I saw something about how they played in Iowa City not that long ago. And mm. so it just kind of brought back the memories. And I was like, I really like this record. And I come to find out they're still an active band. Uh, they just put out a new record a few years back. Maybe only like mm. last year or something like that. But they... Uh, they actually put out several albums after this, too, which I haven't gotten to yet. Mm. But anyway, uh, it's a very just sort of, I think, a gorgeous, atmospheric sort of emo indie rock album. Um, parts of mm. it kind of remind me of Sunny Day Real Estate with the music of like something like Explosions in the Sky um with perry farrell on vocals um it kind of has that sort of feel to it and it seems to me like it's a concept record maybe i haven't really investigated that part of it but i just kind of get that feeling with some of the song titles and themes but the first four songs in particular on this record uh the immortal soul of mundu Fishing the Sky, uh, Forever Longing the Golden Something, which I'm reading <laughs> I'm reading this off of yeah. uh, Google right now. And uh, so it like it's cutting off like the full titles. Uh, hold on a second. <laughs> I'm gonna bring this up real quick on Spotify. Uh, and okay, these are the full titles. The immortal <laughs> this one's cutting it off too. Um <laughs> the Immortal Soul of Ma Mundu Kani uh, Fishing the Sky uh, Forever Longing The Golden Sunsets which is probably my favorite track off the entire record and then a really cool instrumental called Mare Mortis uh, so yeah that this was my second pick I really like it if you're a fan of um all those bands I just mentioned, uh, Sunny Day Real Estate, um, you know, that sort of late 90s Midwestern nerd emo rock, but then also you like the atmospheric stuff of like Explosions in the Sky and even to a certain extent, Godspeed You Black Emperor. And then, you know, like 90s alternative vocals kind of at times. Uh, but it's still definitely an emo record for sure. I, I think you'd like it. Um, what are your thoughts, Eric? Well, I've never listened to these guys before, and I've heard a lot about them. Uh, I mean, not a lot about them. I've heard a lot of people mention them. Sure. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I have to say that I, as far as things not being in my wheelhouse yeah this is probably one of the genres that i have 
very limited understanding of. Sure. And so my comparisons when I was listening uh, were like far. Um, oh, yeah. That's... The Promise Ring. Yeah. Uh, quicksand. Yep. But then also like Dinosaur Jr. and Modest Mouse a little bit too. Yep. Um, and yeah, but like I said, like I literally just named all the bands that I've ever listened to that sound like this. So, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I really enjoyed it though. And I, it felt different. It's not that I stayed away from that music for any specific reason other than just at the time I was into different things. Sure. And then later it seemed hard to get into that style of music. You know, it's like, it felt like a hard genre to just drop into. So well, emo, um, emo to me is a really, it is difficult to get into when you're older mm-hmm. because I think that um, this, the stuff that was, you know, considered emo or that was, popular under the emo um genre like when we were growing up you know in the 90s for instance eric um (laughs) was a lot different than what like the bands that kind of came after them and so emo kind of got into you know it, it kind of is a a it's one of those things where i think like you kind of had to be into it at during its time you know right like to really mm-hmm. fully like understand it i guess like, yeah yeah it's really or to get it yeah, yeah to get yeah. it it's really like a um yeah it, you know like like it's 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 an album kind of of its time which is you know early 2000s it was before like thursday and taking back sunday it was like right before the big sort of emo boom if you will where right. you know that became the next new metal or grunge or whatever yeah you know and uh for sure it's yeah i think that it's like that this kind of stuff is really like it's it's difficult to introduce it to somebody who didn't really because because records like right. this really make you feel something when you're younger and mm-hmm. uh, or at least it did to me and the other people that i know that listen to it and yeah. it's not stuff that I think most people, including myself, necessarily feel in their 30s or 40s. Like, you know what I right. mean? Like, it's really, it's a different sort of thing. And so it's really kind right. of a nostalgic thing for me. But I sure. also relate to it, like, mm-hmm. in a weird sort of way, maybe more than I ever did at the same time. Yeah. I get that. So yeah. it's it's yeah. Don't get me wrong. I I really enjoyed it, and what I liked the most about it, uh, the guitars and the playing and the production was somehow very dense, but also very sparse at the same time. And I really liked that. It was like I could tell there were a bunch of guitars layered, but they were all doing their own thing, and they were all very like. A lot of them are really clean, you know, their tone. And um, so I thought that was cool. I also loved how long they took to start singing. I mean, it was like two, three, four minutes into a song before the vocals came in. And I was like, what the hell is going on? You yeah, know? they really... I thought that was 
great. They really so, nailed they really um, nailed the uh, production and like the yeah. entire feel of like the atmospheric sort of. I keep using the word atmospheric, but I just I think it's the best way to describe this album. Yeah, and no, uh, I really enjoyed it. So. it yeah, yeah, I I really like that. I it definitely focused on the instrumentation quite a bit too, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, nice. Okay, uh, I think oh. this is number three. All right, so um, my third choice is by a group. I don't know, a pair of guys, girls, some people. I don't know anything <laughs> about them. <laughs> that was the greatest <laughs> description ever. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who they are. But, um, uh, yeah, so it's called The Double. And um, I first heard about this not that long ago, maybe... A month ago, um, Joe Dadarian, who, if you have the pleasure of knowing Joe, um, he's pretty much like uh, if Iowa City were a person. Uh, he's phenomenal. He's involved in everything that's cool, <laughs> and he's one of the best dudes around. But um, he posted about this, so I listened to it, and I was beside myself. And so when I told when I shared with Dan my my picks uh, for this week, I did not give him a warning about this. The listeners, you, the listener, will have a leg up on me and Dan. And I feel like <laughs> I'm spo- uh, a little bit. So spoiler alert, skip this section if you want to experience Dawn of the Double <laughs> without a preconceived notion. Um, but yeah, so what this is, it's a one track record the song is 40 minutes long um i know what you're thinking already that this is some ambient noise it grows it crescendos it falls back apart um it has big swelling post-rock elements you're completely wrong what this is is a bo diddly beat on the drums you know your basic uh gonna play it on the on the desk here uh <laughs> and, and, uh a rock and roll guitar tons of reverb uh uh a tube amp turned up way too high breaking up basically going playing rock and roll and it lasts for 40 minutes and it does sort of change at times but it never really grows or moves or develops this is a meditation on primitive rock and roll. This is letting yourself fall into the essence of rock and roll and living there for a while. And it sounds like that would be terrible, but somehow it's like truly transcendent. And I don't know why anyone would do this except that they were playing it and they were like, let's not stop. And they just let the tape roll. I have no idea why you would think, let's play what sounds like the intro to basically the most cheesy rock and garage rock thing you've ever heard. But we just do that intro for 40 minutes. Uh, I was reassured about the state of rock and roll after hearing this, though. I really was. Like, it... 
it was cool. It's like the first time you hear Vicious by Lou Reed. You're just like, oh, shit. That's rock and roll. I, I get it, you know? And so, yeah, I can't really suggest this more, and I can't really say that much more about it. Like, it is what it is. If it sounds interesting, check it out. If it sounds terrible, I guess don't check it out. But I I had a really good time with its meditative, or if you're smart, uh, uh, <laughs> meditative elements. And uh, I, I really like things that you can fall into, and usually that means atmospheric and, and ambient. In this case, it means just pushing the pedal to the floor and going for 40 minutes. So, yeah, what do you think, Dan? Well, uh, uh, before I get into uh, what I thought of the music, I actually did just a little bit of research because I was so curious who these people were after listening to it. (laughs) I was like, who are these people? And I asked the same question as you. Why why would you do this? And um, (laughs) it turns out that I guess that it, it is two guys, and okay. I guess that they both have played with Ty Siegel, ironically Oh, enough. my God. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> Isn't that odd? They were like Ty Siegel. Yeah. I don't know if they were session musicians for him or if they, like, were part of a... Because they're on In the Red Records, which was oh, okay. Jay Retard's rec- record label, and, yeah. uh, well, before he signed to Matador. And... Um, mm-hmm. Ty Siegel and a bunch of like garage rock bands like have put stuff. I think Human Eye, Human Eye, that that oh, one right. band, yeah. they're on in the red. I think so. A lot of the Detroit garage rock type stuff kind of comes out on that on that label. I think. Okay. Um, yeah. I could be completely wrong about that. Um, as my uh, knowledge of that entire scene is, uh, you know mediocre at best uh but back to the music uh this reminded me of two things um a group called the psychic paramount Hmm. um and not because the psychic paramount are all those things that you mentioned with swelling and reverb are all those (laughs) things that i guess should be in like an instrumental sort of band that Mm -hmm. this this is not as you said but it's the delivery it's it's the the Mm. the um like you said it kind of starts with like an intro and the intro just never really ends but there (laughs) is like some building like that kind of goes on a little bit and that's and there are accents and yeah, and, there's and, accents and different things. And that, yeah, it, it reminds me of that. It also reminds me of another band that I'm really into called Oneida. Um, mm. Have you ever heard Oneida? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, for sure. Um, specifically, the album "Each One Teach One." The mm-hmm. first track on that album is called "Sheets of Easter," and it's yeah. like a 15-minute psych jam. And again, it doesn't sound like that because Oneida is all those things that the Psychic Paramount are. Um, yeah. And they're not instrumental even. Uh, matter of fact, basically what that is is a loop. It, it's not actually a loop. I think that 
they're the Oneida record. They're actually playing that over and over again. And it just sounds exhausting and hilarious, which <laughs> this sounds exhausting and hilarious to me. Um, yeah, but maybe it's not meant to be that. Uh, but yeah, no, it, I, I got lost in like a trance listening to it. And I always like it when, <laughs> when music does that, because it's definitely, it, it just, this sounds like a, like the worst idea ever, but yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it was really cool. It was really interesting. It's not something that I would, uh, listen to all the time. <laughs> Like, yeah. I, I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't be like uh, driving down the road jamming this or anything. You uh, know, it, it's funny that you mentioned that. Sorry to, to jump back in. No, no, that's okay. Uh, but I've listened to this maybe three or four times now. And every time it starts, I'm like, why are you doing this to yourself? And then, <laughs> uh, it's, and then I'm into it. And then I'm like, well, you have to finish it now. Yeah, and yeah. It's really... What, what it reminds me of is um, Chuck, um, who we've mentioned on here before. Sure. The negative acquaintance. No, he's not <laughs> our friend. Um, we used to, Enemy uh, of the people. Yeah, <laughs> he's terrible. And um, we used to listen to the song You Do Right by Cam. Oh, yeah, about 20, yeah, yeah. A 20-minute jam or whatever. And it was like an endurance test. It would be like, He'd seriously be like, we'd be in the car and he'd be like, do you want to listen to you do right? And he'd be like tempting me, like daring me. And be like, hell yeah, let's do it, man. You know? <laughs> and then we just have to drive around for 20 minutes listening to this song. It kind of reminds me of that. Like once I start this, it's like, okay, buddy, let's see if you can do this. You know, like, and I kind of like that. There's like a, a, an inherent dare to this. You know, it's like, can you make it? Is it even worth it? You know, so that's like, I don't know if that, if you felt that at all, but for me, there's a bit of endurance. <laughs> well, there was definitely like, like, I definitely felt that, like, I got to hear this till the end because what if something, <laughs> what if something completely yeah. different happens? You know, right. um, this sounds like the type of project that I would start to put out this record and then purposely break up afterwards and then reunite right. a year later to play our classic album in full. Right. <laughs> like that. I think it would be so awesome if these guys, well, I don't know if they broke up and I don't want them to break up if you know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm just saying that like, it would be funny as hell if they broke up and then they reunited to play Dawn of the double in full. <laughs> Like, oh man, I would just be. I would. Oh my god, I would love to go to that show. <laughs> Me too. I would. I'm it would be. It would be so. No, I'm serious uh, too. It would be <laughs> one of the most fascinating things ever to oh, see that man. happen. Let's try to get them to come here. If, um, if, if dude, they still exist and if people can ever, dude, be in the same room with to each other. see <laughs> a band like this on stage at the Muscatine Brew <laughs> would be one of my dreams come true. <laughs> Like, oh my God! Yeah, should we tell people how Mississippi Brew is spelled, just in case they want to? Yeah, Mississippi. Oh my gosh, I could totally like. If you look up the Mississippi Brew, you're never gonna find it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, wow, man, 
Yeah, no. Uh, so once uh, this virus gets knocked out, I got some plans. Uh, no, yeah. We should seriously pursue that, Eric. We should try and get the double to play here for sure somewhere. Okay. It doesn't, I mean, I'll fuck. Put Joe Dadarian on it. No one can say no. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> the double. Uh, yeah, no, it was a very fascinating thing, man. I, uh, I, I, it was, it's great. I always like challenges and it was definitely <laughs> a challenge. I mean, but it was also just funny and ridiculous to me. Maybe, maybe it's not supposed to be, but you know, I always find, I don't know if they don't give you a lot of clues. No, they really don't. But like, I always find, I have a sense of humor about a lot of music that I, maybe I shouldn't find funny, you know, (laughs) like, I don't know. It's like, like Elton John. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean that kind of stuff. That's just hilarious. I (laughs) remember. Elton John, man, really funny. Crocodile Rock? Oh my yeah, god. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Dr. Demento. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Piano Man by Billy Joel. What a who. Uh, man. <laughs> but um like Dr. Demento. He's playing like Elton John and Billy Joel and Joe Jackson. <laughs> um but uh okay, so that brings me to album number three. And this is a record that I really, really like and have liked for a long time. It's from this group called Kicking Giant. The name of the record is Alien ID. I first heard of these guys um, from the Modest Mouse documentary about the Lonesome Crowded West because one of the members, I don't remember if it was the bassist or drummer, said that they really liked Kicking Giant and that they might have even been like a influence on Modest Mouse. And really, I mean, this record, it's um, its just kind of, uh, uh, it sounds like fuzzy sort of indie rock punk type stuff, but there's a lot of, a lot of kind of um, weird twists and turns that it takes sometimes. Um, uh, it kind of has like that sort of, I don't want to say garagey, but it, it, the production on it is is pretty rough when it when it's like rock, but not in a bad way. It's not like I mean, I think it's kind of that sort of purpose, you know, purposely sort of being um, not even noisy, just kind of rough around the edges, like when it when it rocks. But then there's also these sort of beautiful ambient pieces. Uh, I think the song, it's either Dreamland Burns or Inside Out Flower. I don't remember which one it is. That's either tracks three or four. And I could be totally wrong. I'm just looking at the track list right now. Mm-hmm. I should know it better because I've listened to this album tons. But um, one of them, it's, it's an instrumental ambient sort of droney, track like sort of interlude and um it was actually used in the movie beyond the black rainbow oh um and so i heard of i kind of heard about it there but i found this in a used bin um uh i think at record collector when they were having like a really it's this record shop in iowa city they were having one of their discount sales and this wasn't that terrible long ago five years ago maybe and i think they had a bunch of cds for a dollar and this was one of them 
And I just remembered the name Kicking Giant, and it's on K Records, which puts out a lot of cool music. Like, you know, Beck put out a record called One Foot in the Grave on that record label. Uh, this really cool group called Enemy Mine put out their two records on it. And, of course, Beat Happening, the label's owned mm-hmm. by Calvin Johnson. So I bought it and listened to it, and, yeah, it's, it's, fan, it's fantastic. There's a pretty hilarious track on here called The Town Idiot. Uh, it's it's a duo group. Um, the uh, drummer is uh, Rachel Carnes, and the um, guitarist and singer, well, they both sing. Uh, I'm going to butcher this name, but it's Taiwan Yu, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just a, I, I really like it, and it, it feels like uh, they're making a statement um, sometimes, like, you know, like... I, I, I don't know like what what about or anything, but it definitely has some like poetic vocals or excuse me, poetic lyrics. Uh, the track She's Real, I really like a lot. Um, there's a couple of songs on here that I think could have been radio hits, honestly. Like, I mean, I, I just think the songs are really good and uh, I really enjoy it. And uh, it's, it's, it's punky, it's jangly. And it's a lot of fun to listen to. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, shout out to Record Collector. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Iowa City. Four or five times an episode. Yeah, so, we always mention uh, it. I, I think, I think that's... They are not a sponsor. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like uh, I said, go into Record Collector. Say, uh, I was listening to Accelerative Thrust, and uh, they kept saying you guys are great. And they'll say, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Like, <laughs> please... Please stop bringing up this dumbass podcast. Well, they keep saying that you're going to pay them money. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> they'll probably be like, please stop mentioning us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't want to be associated with you. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what you guys do, <laughs> but yeah, leave us alone. No, record collector is great. Um, so yeah, Kicking Giant. I have never heard of this, and I never heard it, obviously. Um, I think that it's pretty forward-thinking for 1994. It doesn't sound like anything I remember listening to, but then again, I've missed so much music, as we all have. I think it's hard to try to play catch-up right. in, 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 with music, and... So, yeah, I was coming at this, uh, I guess, from a different place. I don't know. Um, I I had a hard time finding the sort of aesthetic thread that ran through the whole thing. Like, it, like you said, there are moments where it's like, whoa, this is just a pop band. It's almost like Weezer, you know, right, at right. times. Um, and then there's moments where it's like, Slightly more experimental, but still accessible. Kind of like uh, Goo-era Sonic Youth yes, or something. Yes, And then there are parts that are just straight-up murky, experimental, dark soundscapes, almost. And yeah. so it kind of uh, is like a pendulum between those three elements. And as soon as you think you understand what they're trying to accomplish it goes into something else and changes and i think that is awesome 
but like I said, I had a hard time kind of um, latching on to any sort of cohesive uh, thread through the whole thing. But I loved a lot of parts of it. And that I think that's all I'll be able to take away from it was I like this part and this part and this part and this part, you know, and then the other parts, maybe not as much. But there's such extreme differences that for me personally, it was kind of like, well, I have to pick this apart and pick out the, the parts that I like. And so overall, I really liked it. Like I said, I think it was, it's very different and forward thinking and experimental. Um, and I liked the majority of it. So I, for me personally, I, I just kind of wish it felt like I was missing something. You know, yeah. I was missing what uh, what the soul of the group was to an extent, if that makes any sense. Um, but that's me, you know, like someone else could hear this and be like, Eric, you're really dumb. It's like so obvious that this is uh, this is the main goal of this. But I wasn't able to find it, but I did really like it. And I think if I listen to it a few more times, I'll, I'll find that missing element that I wasn't able to find uh, the one time I did listen to it. So I also think if I would have heard this in 1994, it probably would have blown my mind and been one of my favorite records. So, you know, there's that element too. It's like time can completely different experience. And with that being said, it could even be the day I listened to it. Like, that's the problem with opinions you know like they get filtered through each individual's human stupid human brain and whatever is happening right then changes it you know it's and so i think i need to revisit this one um like i said i did enjoy it but i think i think i was missing something so i'm going to give it a few more chances so, yeah it's it's yeah. definitely it's definitely a hard record to kind of it's like it's it's not like you said it's not very experimental but it is kind of hard to narrow down exactly what it is that they're doing as a band and i that's one of the things that i like about it is that it's kind of mm -hmm. it's like controlled chaos it's it's like you said mm -hmm. it sounds like pop music most of the time or half the time and then it just kind of like turns into something completely different than that other times and i kind of like how it's sort of like this it almost feels like getting on like a like a like a airplane with a bunch of turbulence and it's kind of oh is it gonna crash no wait a minute you know <laughs> what i mean like that's kind of how like the record is yeah to me like i don't know i i i latched onto yeah. it right away it i i like everything about it it's uh Right. For me, it's 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 a really fun listen, and um, yeah, it. I'm I'm glad you listened to it, and I think I I do think that. Hold on a second. All right, got a phone call there. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm not editing that out, so you guys are just gonna have to. Uh, you guys are gonna have to deal with that ring that just happened. It was actually me. <laughs> and I know that you screamed my call. There yeah, you go. Pretty hurt. <laughs> um, but uh, actually, uh, sorry about that, guys. Um, 
I just got a call on my cell phone, as you heard, and uh, I looked at it again and realized that it might kind of be important. So uh, anyway, um, we're back, and I don't remember where we left off. Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> um, kicking giant. Uh, okay, so yeah, yeah we, we basically just, just yeah, we were kind of wrapping that up. Okay, so let's move on to uh, reviewing that album by Corey Peak. Uh, yeah. So, Corey Peak, as you guys heard at the beginning of the episode, good friend of ours. Um, I've known him for years, and uh, he um, is uh, one of the most creative people that I know around this area and he's always putting out these in addition to rocking out in his band closet witch um he also puts out from time to time these weird solo albums some of them are just kind of almost like collages of sound um some of them actually have songs like i mean you know acoustic songs some of them are rock. Some of them are like, almost like, I don't know, uh, dance music kind of. Um, but lately it seems like he's been putting out these um, sort of hip hop instrumental albums where he does beats um, and he does a lot of sampling and things like that. This is like the second one he put out in 2020 came out like in October, I think, October or November. Um, he put out another one over the summer. And I don't, I, I'm not going to pronounce, try to pronounce the name of that album because it's kind of a weird word, but I think it's some kind of mushroom. <laughs> uh, I know that uh, Corey's been kind of into, like over the summer, I, I've been seeing on his um, social media that, He's been kind of into taking hikes with his uh, mm -hmm. his uh, girlfriend uh, Molly, who is the singer of Closet Witch, and they um, they they seem to go mushroom hunting a lot, or maybe mm -hmm. they don't go mushroom hunting, but they find mushrooms, and then you know they're kind of they like to share that experience, so that must be what that album is based on, mm -hmm. kind of. Well, maybe it's not based on that, but. The inspiration for the title, anyway. Corey, if I'm getting any of this wrong, um, you know, just <laughs> feel free to let me know. But that's just what how I maybe see it. Yeah. Um, maybe he'll be on on this uh, podcast again someday. <laughs> yes, uh, that that's a whole other thing. Corey was actually going to be on this podcast, and that ended up being kind of a disaster on my part because I uh, attempted to. Uh, do things and it just ended badly <laughs> that happens a lot that happens a lot when i do things <laughs> the first step to failure is trying <laughs> i've never heard that one that's great that is going to be the name of the episode the first step to failure is trying that is it right there oh man i, I live by it i have been searching searching for an interesting title because last week's title was very um you know, just what it was. It was, I was, oh, yeah. Spectral Snake album. Not that that's bad, but I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> the first step to failure is trying. That's the name of this episode. Sure. 
Um, <laughs> what do you think, Eric? Do you like that? Do you approve? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I have it tattooed on my throat. So I mean, yeah, I... <laughs> like, dude, can you get tattoos on your throat? Like, hey, uh, yeah, I just need you to stick it down there. There's like blood well, coming I guess, up. I guess my front neck. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, I mean, I'd like, like a tattoo on my lung. Hey, you guys have surgeons here that can tattoo my spleen, right? Like, oh my gosh, that is fantastic. Um, well, I'm done. Uh, I mean, I don't need to talk about Corey's album or anything now. We're talking about tattooing Morgans. Um, just kidding. But um, anyway, so yeah, Trapped Soul by Corey Peak. This was his latest solo album. Uh, so yeah, um. Do you want to go first with your assessment review, or do you want me to go first? Well, I guess sure. no. Well, yeah, you go yeah. first because sure. I ended, I ended the last. You know what I mean? Like I went last with Kicking Giant. All right. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was amazing. I really, really loved it. Like, I hope that. Corey keeps doing things like this. Uh, it's like super hip hop oriented, but at the same time, it's not, it's not uh, like just based in a kind of boom bap 808 drums kind of thing. Like these are nice cuts. Like it's very soulful, uh, funky. And I, I hate the word funky, but I literally mean it's funk ish, you know? <laughs> um, like it feels like a lot of 70s soul samples and then beyond that they're cut up in really uh really cool ways uh ways you wouldn't expect and then also there's a really deep sense of humor to this whole thing and i'm not saying it's goofy it's not novel it's like legit funny it's like how other cut up artists um create humor you know like if you listen to negative land um they can take a set of samples and make you laugh like they're telling a joke through the way samples are assembled and that's i don't think people appreciate that on the level they really should because to make to just take a collection of sounds and words from other places and have that have a setup and a punchline and have the comedic timing built into how you assemble those things is genius. And uh, it had to have taken Corey a really long time to assemble all these samples and cuts that mention the name Corey. Like, I don't know if he does that on other collections, but this one, it was very funny. Like, it was... Um, some of the yes yeah, my favorite part easily is there's like a must be a talk show or something it sounds english and a kid's talking about or they're talking to this kid about a big ass party he threw and like got in trouble <laughs> and i'm seriously about to laugh just talking about it um but the way this is cut together is hilarious and so well done i i would love to hear more things just like this from Corey. i would listen to it all for forever yeah it's great yeah 
<laughs> well, I'm going to go the opposite route. What is this garbage, Corey? I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, like, there's nothing inspiring here. This is all just a bunch of beats. It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't like rap music. In fact, I don't <laughs> like music, period. Um, I don't even know why I'm doing this podcast. You actually sounded like me, for real. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, uh, yeah, no, this is this is really well done. I, um, you know, I mean, uh, I've, of course, as Corey's friend, I've been following his um, creative ventures for years now. And, uh, yeah, it, it totally, like, makes sense to me that Corey, knowing him as the person that he is, uh, would make this type of instrumental beat album. Um, that sense of humor uh, that you're talking about, totally just like from conversations that I've had with him and things like that and just knowing his sense of humor and what he's into. Because um, I know that he's he's really, he's, a, he's an MF Doom fan and I know that he's, He's a fan of a lot of interesting hip hop. He puts out a lot of it on his on his label, um, and he's he's into like weird, funny type stuff, you know. Um, when it comes to like sample based music, and this has all those things. Uh, like you said, it's really funky. Uh, it's really interesting, a really enjoyable experience. I also like the fact that he doesn't like like it doesn't. It's almost kind of like a, like a, um, don't blink or you'll mess it approach kind of mm -hmm. where it's like the songs are very quick or the tracks mm -hmm. are really quick. It's almost like a plays like a punk record in that sense, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or even like a, like a grind record. I like the fact that it's some of it just sounds like inspirational little snippets, you know what I mean? And then, um, yeah. like you said, it was very, very clever the way he added in all those samples of like uh, talking about Corey. And that, I think, is actually a direct influence, uh, whether it's consciously or unconsciously, uh, of, of Doom and the way that Doom produces. Because Doom does the same thing uh, in a much different way. Um, he does that sometimes on some of his production where he'll take quotes like, you know, but Doom is really dangerous. You know what I mean? Like somebody's talking about Doom from the Fantastic Four cartoon or something, you know? Mm. And yes, mm -hmm. I do remember that. Um, and maybe that wasn't, you know, like, like I said, maybe that wasn't like a direct. But I think I think that a lot of like s people who make sample based music kind of do that in different ways they do it in sort of mm -hmm. their own their own way and yeah the way he chops up those samples very very good uh i really enjoyed the track thank you that was one of my favorites i just mm -hmm. remember that that one stuck to me um just the beat you know i mean yeah it but the entire thing was just fantastic trapped soul i also think that the um the name of the album really fit as a whole. Yeah. And we should mention the, the cover art too, done by Joe Hewerman. Yes. The cover art is amazing. Nightmare imagery. So. Amazing stuff. Yeah. It looks like a, it doesn't look like it's going to be like a sample based hip hop beat. Like no. it, it looks more like, um, 
I mean, it looks like maybe a grindcore album or something. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. Which totally, I think that's totally awesome too. Um, mm-hmm. Well done, Corey. Um, you've yeah. won. You've won my heart and the hearts of <laughs> two podcast hosts. And uh, <laughs> what you decide to do with that information is really up to you. But do keep in mind, and this is for the listeners also. The first step to failure is trying. <laughs> yeah. I think we said Corey enough, too, that if he wanted to make a, a new record, um, he could sample <laughs> a, a lot. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I maybe, think you could do that, Corey. Maybe, we could, have, to, maybe we could have Corey go into the record collector and talk them into paying <laughs> us. Corey's a good, yeah. good friend. Sure, yeah. If, yeah, maybe he, yeah, he could make a song yeah. using examples of us saying Corey and Record Collector. There you go. And, um, and then play it for them, and then they would ask him to leave. I, I think it would work. And, you know, if we, if if it doesn't work, we can use another one of our friends the next week. You know, we could just keep using our friends to, like, try and, you know, get it, get that uh, sponsorship from the Record Collector. You know, just keep burning bridges and burning bridges every week. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, uh, I already can't go in there. I'm already banned. So. <laughs> we, uh, this is the real <laughs> cancel culture over here at Accelerative Thrust, people. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we're incriminating ourselves pretty hardcore on this episode. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So that was that was a good. Uh, a good, uh, a good episode, don't you think, Eric? Yeah, <laughs> pretty good. All right, good. Yeah, anything else exciting happened this week before uh, we let the listeners off the hook? Uh, um, no. Okay. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was very, uh, very I quick. I literally can't even remember <laughs> what happened in my life before we started recording tonight. Gotcha. It's, yeah, it's a, it, it is pretty it's a difficult. Wash. I am gonna say that I've gotten, I've gotten back into reading comics again. Oh, nice. Which is something that yeah. I haven't really done in a long time. For some reason, I don't know why, but uh, hmm. have you ever read a book? It's a graphic novel called Black Hole, by this cartoonist named Charles Burns. Yeah, is it the X'd Out guy? I'm right? not sure. I think maybe. That sounds uh, kind of familiar. Yeah, I think I have those. I um, haven't read them, though, actually. Wait, X'd Out? Is uh, it like a... Um, is that... Do you know who it's published? Yeah, Charles Burns. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's it, who it is? Uh, I haven't... Yeah, I haven't read Black Hole, but uh, X'd Out is like a, a series, a trilogy. Um... But I don't think Black Hole is part of it. I, I, I'm totally talking out my ass right now. Okay. Somebody out there is like, you dumb shit. <laughs> yeah. Don't the... talk about things you don't know about. But um, actually, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think x Out is part of a trilogy, whereas Black Hole is its, its own graphic novel. So right, no, yeah. I have not. Okay. Yeah. I, if you're into comics, I don't know how into comics you are, Eric. But yeah, uh, I've read some graphic novels and I like those. But okay. As far as 
then if you're into graphic novels, and even if you're not into comics, really, like this is one of those comics, I think, one of those graphic novels that could appeal to even non-comic book slash graphic novel fans, you know? Um, It's really, really good. And uh, so I've been reading that this week. And I also went down into the basement where I've been keeping some of my stuff and got some of my old, like, mini comics and zines and stuff and even found an old issue of Zines from the Man from one Jason Salick. Oh, wait, I don't think we're supposed to tell anyone. Oh, are you serious? (laughs) No, I don't know. Okay. No. All right. Oh, I mean, I I don't... I'm just lying. Okay, well, no. I I think it's fun to lie. Okay, all right. Well, just, dude, you got me there, man. You got me there. Everyone's going to hear you getting me there. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, well, anyway. um, On that note, um, I will... Well, we will see you. We will not see you but hear from you next week ladies and gentlemen yeah goodbye or hey you, you want to do like this goodbye 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 sort of thing well, who's gonna oh, oh so one of us sings one note yeah one of us starts it off and then the other one and then there's supposed to be a third person but i'm sure one of us could get a second voice somehow so goodbye goodbye <laughs> goodbye <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>